Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. I thought it was appropriate. and uh, We've been on a series called Full of the Spirit. I believe we're wrapping that up, but we're wrapping it up on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost falls on the 50th day after what we celebrate as Easter, Jesus' resurrection. So it's seven weeks afterwards, you know, after the, said the seventh, uh, seven, the Sunday, seven weeks after Easter. So, you know, you got 49 weeks and then you got that next day. So it's 50 days. So let's read a few scriptures that we've read before and then we'll um, get into what we have for this morning. Ephesians 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So that says being filled with the Spirit. Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That verse 17 says, whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything that we do, we're to do it in his name. We're to do it because of him, because we love him, because we're following him. Amen? Amen? Not because uh, we're following our own pattern, our own plan, but we're doing it because we honor Him. So this is Pentecost. I want to read you a few scriptures. Uh, let's look at Luke twenty-four forty-four. Jesus spoke of this, and He gave us instructions having to do with it. Verse 44, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer, the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remissions of sin should be, repeat, should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Verse 40, and you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he just got ten telling them that Christ had to suffer. He's talking about himself. Self and, and you're, the, the, the Word of God, the, the gospel is going to be preached in all the world. And he said, you are witnesses of these things. But then in verse 49, he says, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait. Everybody say wait. Wait or tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he didn't just say You've heard, 
you know that I, I rose from the dead, I'm right here in front of you, now go out and tell everybody. He didn't say that. He said, wait, let's look at Acts 1 verse 4. It says, being assembled, so this is in Acts, it's talking about what was in what we just read in Luke. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, and you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then they start asking him questions about Jerusalem or about the, the, the nation of Israel, and so he answers them. Then verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So let's go to Acts 2, verse 1. We're just, we already covered some of these scriptures um, talking about this day, but since it's the day of Pentecost, I want to cover them, and then we'll get into what we're really focusing on this morning. But Acts 2, verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come. So this is what he told them to wait for. This is 50 days later. Jesus already, he, he died, he was buried, he rose from the dead. They know it. They were witnesses of it. And he said, wait. He didn't tell them to go out. He said, wait. And so this is the fullness of what he was telling them to wait for. Now, we're talking about being full of the Spirit. Some of these aspects we've talked, we're not going to recover this again, but I just want you to see this. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them uh, divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Now, this, this really happened. Okay, this isn't figurative speech. There was literally a sound that sounded like a, a rushing mighty wind, and there, were, there, there appeared uh, to them divided tongues as a fire, so something that looked like fire on each person. So that something was manifest there. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we talked about that, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence of which is being uh, speaking in other tongues, and we spent some time about that, and we're not going to focus on that today, but that is real, and that is the initial evidence of you being filled with the Spirit. And people say, well, I'm filled with the Spirit, I just don't speak in other tongues. The Bible says that that's the evidence. That's the initial evidence, it's the ongoing evidence, but that's not all that's encompassed. We've been talking about that in this series. But what I want you to notice is this is the day, this is the experience, this is the event that Jesus said you need to wait for before you go out. Now this was happening. And so then Peter goes out, and where Peter was timid, where Peter, we're not going to take time to go over all that, but where Peter denied the Christ, when Jesus was going to the cross, you know, he was following at a distance and comes up there, and they're, they're asking him, well, you know Jesus. And he said, no, I don't. And right before that, he had said, I'll die with, I'll die for him. I'll die with you, Jesus. And when the push came to shove, he was like, I don't know who that guy is. No, that's not me. And he asked him three times, and Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. Well, he did. Well, now this is the day of Pentecost, though. Peter repented. He, he uh, got things right. 
And Jesus says, you guys wait. Now they are being endued with power. The Bible said, you will be, Jesus said, you're going to be endued with power. So that's what just happened. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, they speak with tongues. Everybody that was anybody, all the Christians were in that room. Everybody was in that room. Mary, the mother of Jesus, all the disciples, everybody. And they all, it said they all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they all received this experience. They all received this endowment of power. They were all filled with the Spirit. Now they were going to go out and do something. Peter goes out and preaches and thousands come to God. He, he's bold because he has, he's been endued with power. So this power, this endowment, the, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, one aspect of that I want to focus on this morning, that, that is more than, it's an experience, but there is an endowment, and we talked about being gathered together last week, you know, we come together in this, this, uh, in this setting, we get, as we get together with believers, there is a presence of God, there is what the Bible calls the anointing, you know, we refer to that, the anointing is God upon humanity and upon the believer to do something, to get something done. And you see that here in this experience when the, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of God fell on them to get the job done in the earth. Now, if we go back and see Jesus, if we look at Acts 10.38, this is referring to Jesus. Jesus was anointed. Anointing means basically to pour over. You know, if I took this water bottle and I poured it over Gardy's head, I'd be anointing him with water. When they talked about anointing with oil, they literally poured it over and it came over and upon and, and went down. Well, that's what the, the, the anointing of God is the power of God resting on a person to do something. And we talk about being filled with the Spirit. The anointing is important. The anointing will change your life. The presence of God. When we gather together, we, there is a, a presence of God that's not just manifest just when you're alone. And God sets gifts in the body of Christ to do different things, to preach, teach. Uh, there is anointing to sing. There's an anointing to do whatever he's called you to do. And we see this anointing. Let's, let's look at Acts 1036, actually. We'll look at that going into 1038. The word, of, of, of the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began uh, from Galilee after the baptism with John preached. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. This is talking about Jesus being anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. You say, well, it's Jesus. It's God. What did he have to be anointed for? Jesus came and he walked the earth as a man. He didn't do any miracles until he was, the Holy Spirit came on him. We're going to read a couple scriptures. And so that, that anointing coming on him is, he walked in that, what it just said, the, the, how God, let's look at verse 38 again how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's what Jesus said. You wait for it. 
in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're endued with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Let's look at Luke 4.16. Luke 4.16 says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. This is right after he was baptized by John, and the Bible says that the, Spirit of, uh, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Then he started uh, going out and doing these things. Let's read, we'll go back to uh, verse 18 again. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and so as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And when he was, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus is saying, God, He has anointed me. He is quoting the scripture in Isaiah and, and applying it to Himself. Well, we need the same anointing to do what God has called us to do on the earth. We need to be impacted by the anointing. That the, the anointing is going to impact us to be able to do what we're called to do. The anointing, the anointing of God is the Holy Spirit at work on humanity. When we gather together, there is an anointing, or should be, an anointing in a presence of God, and that, we're going to read in a moment, that's what actually breaks the yoke in people's life. It is not just we're getting together for a talk. We talked about gathering together and, you know, what, what, these different things that we do. Worship God, you know, go over some announcements together. We, we, we talk about praise and worship. We bring our tithes and offerings. A lot of that is functional things that we do, but um, why do we do all that? Why do we sit and worship God? You're taking your mind off all the stuff out there, clearing your mind, getting in touch with your heart, worshiping God, and it's not about the screens. It's not about the technology. It's not about what instruments we have. It's really just we're gathered together of believer, as believers. If you go back 300 years, it's looking a lot different. We gather together, and we're singing some songs. Who, need, who has songs? They might have at that point, yeah, there was a printing press. They might have had some printed. It might just be we know some songs, so we're going to sing them. But we're just, that's the point. We're gathering together to worship God. Well, fast forward to now. We got these instruments and everything, but the essence is the same. We have, we're singing songs unto the Lord. It's not about the technology and the songs and how good the musicianship is. We ought to do it as excellent as we can. We, we ought to do that. But really what you want is the presence of God. And so much now has been made <clears throat> that it's about how cool the songs sound. And I'm a musician and I like things to sound well, good, but you can it, you don't focus on that because how many of you know there are a lot of things that sound really good that are godless? Yeah, Technically, 
just awesome. Spiritually and morally, horrible. So no, and, and then in the Christian world, you know, it becomes so much about sounding a certain way. That's fine. You can be excellent. We want to be as good as we can because we're worshiping God, but you don't put the cart before the horse. I would rather sing a song, a cappella, no instruments, with somebody that's a little bit off tune. I'm talking about just... Just somebody, just somebody that can sing. I'm not talking about here because Shelly can sing on pitch. But just in a room and somebody pick up and sing and the spirit of God is there and it's anointed and you can, you can sense the presence of God and he's moving and on it rather than a whole stage full of people that have this, the coolest guitar effects and the sweetest synthesizers and laser light and none of that's wrong. But if that is what you have and it's dead spiritually, Totally missed the boat. It's the anointing. The anointing is the presence of God. When we gather together, there ought to be a presence of God, and it's not just, we talked about the music, the preaching and teaching. Let's, let's skip down to um, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. It says God was with him. He was anointed by God how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech. Paul was really educated. Paul was... God used the apostle Paul to do what he did, to, to put down the, the New Testament and several, a lot of the, the books, the letters of the New Testament, he was very educated. He, he was educated as a Pharisee and uh, one of the leading teachers, and he was all in, and he, he could speak multiple languages. He had all kinds of knowledge, but he said, I count all that as nothing to serve God. And he's saying here, I didn't, See, Paul could speak. Paul could write. He's saying, I didn't come to you with that. That's not the point. I'm not putting my faith in that. You're not impressed by that. He says here, I, I did not come to you with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, Notice this, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What do we read about being the, the endowment of power on the day of Pentecost? Wait until you're endued with power. Wait until the anointing comes upon you. Here in verse 4, it says, my speech and my preaching. Notice it says speech and preaching. Yes, it's the moving of God in signs and wonders and miracles, but also in everything that we do, preaching and teaching, there should be a punch behind it, not just talking loud, not emotions. They're not talking about that. We're talking about a spirit, because it's the spirit of God that's putting... He is teaching be, between the lines. There is an anointing on it. We're not talking about a talk. 
We're not talking about you know, just a bunch of mind points. It's, we're not talking about intellectual knowledge. Sure, there's knowledge there. What we're really doing is educating our spirit, our spirit man. And so there is, there ought to be. There ought to be an anointing. There ought to be a power. It says, my, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. We're talking about the anointing. When we're talking about being filled with the Spirit, it's not, uh, this is critical, that we are in the presence of God, that you are exposed to the anointing of God because that is what is going to change us. That is what is going to break things, break bondages, break things that have held on to us in our lives. The Spirit of God, the anointed Word of God, first it's the Word of God, but the anointing, one word from God can just change your life forever. We're not talking about self-help. We're not talking about psychology. We're not talking about, you know, a bunch of points or a program. We're talking about the, the Spirit of Almighty God cutting through all that, coming to the root of the issue, and, and doing something on your inside so that you're never the same. That's the power of God. That is not human. That, that is why, thank God, we, you know, we... Why, why do we have a sound system that we can project voice? Purely so that everybody can hear us. You know, why, the technology that we have, the, the um, vocabulary that we use is only to get the point across. And if it ends up getting in the way, it's worthless and worse than worthless. The point is that we have life change. When we read the, you know, the initial scriptures we read, being full of the Spirit and speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that's something that's coming out of you. It's not a facade. It's not a superficial, like, well, I'm just playing church. I'm being a Christian. I'm doing good things. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something that flows from your inner being, that you are that way because the Spirit of God has enabled you and you're living according to Him and it comes out of you. Good works ought to be done there as a result of being saved, not to be okay with God. You don't earn your way into salvation. Jesus paid the price for us to be right with him. Now, he said, wait for this other experience to be endued with power. And now as we follow him, he enables us to live this life from the inside out. And part of the way that's going to really get... You know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not entrenched, but just solidified in our life is by the anointing in the presence of God when we come together, not just, you know, us just talking to one another. Thank God the Spirit of God lives in on us and you can draw strength from one another. But there is an anointing to do stuff, do things for God, and that is beyond human capability. And that's what you're looking for. Not a, not a woo-woo, spectacular thing, although the, the moving of the Spirit of God can be spectacular. We are wanting 
When, when you're coming together, when you're looking to God, when you're looking to grow and develop in His things, you, you must come into contact with the anointing, with the Holy Spirit on people, on mankind, to bring us up. You don't, you want, because you can see more in a minute under the, when the Holy Spirit is moving and, and teaching not talking about human intellectual knowledge, but the Holy Spirit is doing it. He's the teacher, and he uses people. He uses vessels, but he's the one filling in the blanks between the lines. You can get more and see more in a minute than you can 10 hours of just reading the Bible on your own. We ought to read the Bible on our own. We ought to study. We ought to pray, but we can't do without the anointing coming upon and through and so that God works on this earth by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what people cannot do. You can experience worship. Sure, you can worship God on your own, and you ought to worship God on your own. And you can experience the presence and the anointing of God in your own you know, uh, room at home. Yes, you can. And that's awesome. That's what you, you, you're looking for the anointing to manifest. There is also the corporate presence where you come into... To, uh, relation with other believers and the presence of God is manifest and that can just bring you to a different place. We're not talking about emotions. We're not talking about everybody just getting on a high. We're talking about a spiritual change. We're talking about you seeing things, understanding uh, revelation dropping into your heart in a moment of time that you see and you won't be the same because you got it. And it's the Word of God being illuminated and illumin the, the, the Word of God being quickened and manifest to us. Let's look at Isaiah 10, verse 27. Just focusing, just had it on my heart to just talk about the, the, the presence of God and the anointing and it's important in, in us being full of the Spirit. We can't do it just on our own. We need to have a touch from God. Isaiah 10, verse 27, it, uh, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. In other, there it says the anointing oil, that anointing coming on. In the original King James Version, that was the new King James, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke, a yoke is something that holds, that binds. You know that, you know, you have a yoke of oxen, it's binding two together. When, when something has, a yoke is on you, it gives the picture of something that is, uh, that's holding you prisoner in life. Things that try to hold us, bondages, habits, addictions, uh, ways of thinking that are holding us, that are binding us. And it says here, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. The power anointing of God will destroy things that psychology can't destroy, that men's wisdom can't destroy, that education won't destroy, that connections will not destroy. But God, His anointing, His power, His, His, the Spirit of God coming on and cutting, cuts through all that and can make a change that breaks the yoke. It's not just, just taken off you so that you can be on you again. It is destroyed. So it can't engulf you again. 
It can't enslave you again. God will go to the root of the problem. People will try to help you the best they can, and you have to be careful about this. Psychology is the understanding of the human mind from a natural perspective, but it does not take into account the fact that man is a spirit. And a born-again, a Christian is a born-again child of God, created in the image of God, and that being in you is not just your mind. And so you can't fix spiritual things with natural psychology. That's for a natural man. And you have to be careful about mixing the two because there is a spiritual realm. But the anointing of God will cut through and break what a person trying to give you their understanding of something because you know that's limited, right? We may know more as a human race than we did 100 years ago, but we don't know everything. And we can't fix every problem. And you certainly can't deal with spiritual issues in a natural way. But God can. God will cut through everything. He'll, he'll actually set you free. He'll make you free. Can you put up, uh, what is it, Matthew or Mark 8.32? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Is it John. John 8, 32. Is it 8, 32? 32? 32 or 36 right in there? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Shall make you free. Shall make you free. The truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The, the truth, the real truth about the matter. God can cut through everything, all the layers... Try to dig out layer at a layer and layer and layer at a time. Try to get, well, we'll do that next week. We'll try to get to the next. God can cut through it all and just set you free. I want to read you in the um, Isaiah 10, 27, the Passion Translation. We don't have it here, but the Passion Translation says, In that day the Lord will remove the heavy burden from your shoulders and break off the yoke of bondage from your necks because of the heavy, heavy anointing that is upon you. He will remove the heavy burden from your shoulders and break off the yoke of bondage from your necks because of the heavy no anointing that is upon you. So he will, the anointing of God, the, the presence of God, the moving of the Holy Spirit will do what men cannot do. And we need to honor we need to honor what God has put in place. We need to honor His ways of doing stuff. See, men, you know it as well as I, we're in 2023. We're in post-COVID, 2023, where people have made, you know, we talked about gathering together last week, but just the, the things of God have been dumbed down to where it's been very much business-oriented. Run like a business. Presentations like a business. Thank God for technology. Thank God we have these things. They're not the point. And so we, we post-COVID, we, people locked up in their houses. We were all, you know, locked up for a while. We couldn't do what we wanted to do. Well, then you got all these choices. Well, am I going to look at this TV? You know, talk about church. This, this service, this service, this service, this service almost virtually infinite. 
and they all have better, different presentations or whatever. And it can become very much like, how sharp can we get these things? I'm not getting, thank God we can get as sharp as we have the ability to do, but that's not the point. The presence of God is the point. Because it's not about what a person can do. And God made it so that, see, he is the minister. God is the shepherd. God is the one that actually is going to teach us and guide us. Now, he uses people. And see, people have gotten this out of whack. And I mean, the church in general is so in the world because there has been stuff, stupid things that, that people have fallen and done things and brought, brought shame to the, the church of God. And made it look like it, it was about money. Or it was, you know, they're, they're immoral behind the scenes. And it has brought people to where they, they look at it, ah, oh, it's just another you know, organization. And it's just, a, you know, it's just a game. And so it's just like everything else in the world then. It's just how well technically can you do it? Because it's not a TED Talk. It's not how, how sharp you can get it in 18 minutes or whatever to, to, to get it all. That's information that's heading out. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not what anything with God, it's not a concert. The things of God are not, not just natural. What you're talking about is the, the God, the, the creator of the universe, working through people. Actually, it comes through people, but it is him that is actually doing the ministry. And he's the shepherd. And he's the the. The, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. And so he works through. How does he do it? It's the anointing of God. It's the power of God. It's what no person can do. He knows things that people in their, that no person could know. And he knows how to cut through things and get the truth to us where, well, they'll tell me your story and then I'll try to give you an answer. God, can. he, he already knows the, the story. He knows the story better than we know the story, and we were there. <laughs> sort of. You're sort of, you know, you, you know you were there, but you ever look back on a situation when you're older, a different perspective, and you, real, I, you, know, you realize what was actually going on, and you realize, I didn't get that the first time around. Well, how much more of there is that in our life? You think we actually get everything all the time? No, we don't. We didn't see what was going on over here or here. We saw it through this lens and perspective, and we didn't see. But God saw it all, and he saw how we saw it, and he saw our past before that, and he saw how we were interpreting it, and he saw what it did to us, and he cuts through all that, and he can go through and give you the answer without you having to know everything about how you got there. He'll just undo all of it and said, do this, and you don't even realize it. Just stuff's just rolling off you, and you're free. Well, that's the power of God. No person can know that. No person can do it, but God can. And so we reverence him. We don't see Jesus said, you wait for the endowment of power. You wait for the anointing. Well, that was the initial experience. We shouldn't go around now that that experience. Pentecost was almost 2000 years is 2000 years ago. That's gone on a long time ago and it's available. Number one, we shouldn't go without it. We should want everything God has for us, but we shouldn't live as if we can get by with what he told the initial church, you better not go anywhere without it. We shouldn't make substitutions 
so that, well, it's okay, we'll just do it this way. doesn't matter. We don't, you know, if there's no spirituality to it, it looks cool. We're, we're, we're putting a substitute in place. And we're just going to get mediocre results then as far as our lives actually being changed. With God, all things are possible. We want to do everything we know to do in God's plan for our life, whatever our vocation is, do it the best you know how to do within the confines of what he told you to do. Don't make stuff up saying, because somebody else did it, I got to do it this way. I better learn this because that's the latest fact. Just put all that aside, say, God, what do you want me to do? And then do it the way he told you to do it and make sure you're flowing with him in the power and the anointing of God to do it because he will anoint you to do whatever it is. That's what you're after because people... People can be very skilled. People can be very knowledgeable. But we're not talking about natural things. We're talking about spiritual things. And so you subject the natural to the spiritual, and then you get amazing results. Because God is doing his thing. You're just submitting your gifts and abilities to it and say, yeah, whatever. I, here it is. I'm doing it the best I know to do. I'll get all the information I can. But ultimately, it's you working through it, that, through what I'm doing that's going to change anything. And when we acknowledge that, then we allow him to move. Amen.